Welcome to the Campus Rush Podcast. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the series in his hands to remind us that God is always in control. We hope that you enjoy this message. I'm excited for what God is going to do tonight. Um, We are going to just look at a few scriptures and then I want to be able to really release in your life. Thank you so much, musicians. You'll just flow with me for today. So for the next 25 minutes, I want to speak uh, to you uh, about a topic that I'm going to reveal in a little bit. Uh, but um, I want us to pray and then get right into the word. Father, thank you so much for the entrance of your word. Father, brings life and brings light. We give you all the praise and adoration because we know tonight you're going to move in this place. Uh, we know that tonight your presence is going to be heavy by the power of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Has anybody, I want to ask you a question, has anybody in this place ever had a dream? Anybody? Anybody? You've ever had a dream before? Does anybody in this place still have a dream? You still have a dream? Okay, Tian, what's your dream? Let me hear you. No, stand up, stand up, stand up. For life or just in general? To be the best that I can be. Wow, that's amazing. To be the best that you can be. Come on, somebody jump up here. Okay, so what's, what's, your, what's your dream in life? I want to hear some people's dreams here. Um, to be the best biomedical engineer. Be the best biomedical engineer. Somebody agree with him in that it is done. It is so in Jesus' name. Hans, you're running. What is your dream in life? Oh, um, travel the world, take pictures. Travel the world and be a photographer. Capture moments. It is done in Jesus' name. Man, you guys have some fancy dreams. Pastor Ryan, what is your, what is your, uh, you, could, you could speak. What is your dream? I'm trying to pop, I'm trying to make Jesus famous. See the way he take, he took the mic. I'm trying to pop. I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to pop. I want to ask somebody that I don't know in this place. I want to ask somebody what their dream is in life. What your dream is in life. People are running. I don't know what I'm meant to be. I don't know what my dream. You have your dream. Um, Oyen Cole, to be the greatest actress. Actress. Are you in the drama ministry here? From today, she's in it, in Jesus' name. Okay, so you found a new actress. She's going to change all of Nollywood and Gollywood and Hollywood and every wood and every hood. (laughs) Man! Whoa. (laughs) That's amazing. Keep it up, man. I like that, man. When I start shouting, it's echo. All my messages are an echo. It's amazing to see that everybody here has a specific dream. Everybody here has a specific goal that they want to reach in their life. I can tell you my dream when I was a child. I wanted to be, first of all, I wanted to be a basketball player. I, I really, really believe that, uh, you know, I'd be shooting hoops. And I, I, really, I really wanted to play basketball. I really did. I played all through high school. I played in middle school. I played in elementary school. I always played ball. And I love to play basketball. Um, but as I began to get older, I began to realize that, uh, it just wasn't a dream that would come to pass for many obvious reasons. But, I mean, <laughs> it's just not a dream that would come to pass. Uh, and then it began to shift. I wanted to be the best musician that I could be. And I believe that somewhere down there, God is still working it out. But I wanted to devote my life solely to just music. I didn't want to do ministry. I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't want to be a social worker. I didn't want to be a businessman. I didn't want to get into consulting. I just wanted to be a musician. So much so uh, that... Uh, when I was in my eighth grade, I, 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 I registered and I applied to this art school uh, to, to study music. 
And man, I remember nights where I would go to my room and I'd pack practice my regiments and I'd read my music and I really, really wanted to get a down pack. And I was so passionate, I wanted to get into this art school. And by the grace of God from grade eight, I actually did. And in grade nine, I was admitted to, to this art school in the city uh, to study music. Uh, but the thing about that was where the school was and where my house was was so far uh, that it just wasn't something that could be a possibility. So that dream was shattered. So I told myself, if I don't study music, then what am I going to study? At some point, I wanted to be a recording engineer. I said, I just want to do music. At some point, I said that I wanted to be, I wanted to be uh, an actor, just like one of our sisters. At some point, I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. I don't know many people in this place had a few dreams in this place. You can relate with me that sometimes, based off the season of your life, your dream kind of changes. You know what I'm saying? It kind of changes based off of the stages in your life until you kind of get to this one stage in your life where you believe that this is what God has called me to do, and this is what I want to do. Uh, I have a question for you in addition to this. Uh, you might have had dreams, but uh, sometimes it sucks, or whether, for lack of a better word, it's, it's not the best feeling uh, when your dreams are interrupted. Uh, one thing that I've come to realize is that when God has you on a path of doing something, or when you believe that you're on the right path of this is what God has called me to do, and if that dream becomes interrupted, uh, sometimes it's one of the worst feelings ever in the world. Because in your life, you've believed that this is where God has called me to. This is what I'm supposed to do. But yet still, nothing that you try is ever working for you. I don't know if anybody can relate to that. You want to be able to go somewhere, but it's like the dream is there, but the means of getting there is just not. Uh, you want to get to where the promise of what God has called you to do, but yet still, everything you try to do is not working. I, I, I want to present something tonight, and we're going to get into the scripture and look at a few things. You look at the life of Paul in, this, in the Bible. Um, and and I, love, I love this man so much. We're going to look at Paul. Uh, and the Apostle Paul, you know, you pick up his story in Acts. I'm just going to give a brief overview. Uh, thanks so much, Yeah, You can just bring it down for me, please. Uh, you look at this, this man in the Bible by the name of Apostle Paul. And the Bible shows that this man was a murderer. The Bible shows that he was a bad man. The Bible shows that he was murdering Christians. He was murdering believers. I mean, it was terrible. And then, thank you so much. I think I'm good for today. Thank you so much. Let's clap for, for Yeo. If he keeps playing like that, I'll never, I'll never preach. He's anointed. Um, <laughs> no, he is. He's anointed. Um, anointed, anointed. He's anointed. <laughs> anointed, anointed. You see, when you come to Canada and the English, anointed, <laughs> anointed. I'm playing. I'm feeling silly tonight, but, but don't mind me. I, I believe that <laughs> Minister Solomon is here. It's good to see you. I, I believe that when you come to the point sometimes in your life, whereby the dream that you have is interrupted, it's something that you can't even bear. You look at this man in the Bible by the name of Apostle Paul. Anybody know Apostle Paul? You know Paul in the Bible? Anybody? Anybody know Paul? Am I preaching to somebody here tonight? Any alive soul? You know Paul in the Bible? Good. Cool. And this man by the Bible by the name of Apostle Paul, he was murdering Christians. Things weren't going well for him. He was doing so many things to persecute believers. And then it says one day, someone shout one day. It just takes one day, one hour for God to change everything in your life. Just one minute of brokenness for God to change something. The Bible says that one day as he was walking on his way to Damascus, he was encountered by God. And it says that Jesus Christ spoke and said, Paul, why? Or was rather Saul at the time. Why are you persecuting me? Why are you killing my believers? Well, how come, why are you doing this to me? Apostle Saul at the time answered and said, who are you? He said that I'm son of the living God. I am Jesus Christ. He went on his knees and suddenly he was converted. And God said, I am sending you forth. Now go to the land that I've told you. There you will meet a man by the name of Ananias and he will make you and explain to you things. Then I am sending you to the nations. 
first interruption in his dream. He thought that he was going to be a Sadducee and a Pharisee for the rest of his life, but God had other plans. Some of you here in this room tonight, God has brought me for just a simple message tonight. To just let you know that even though you think that that's what God wants you to do, and you believe that that is where God wants you to do, he has the ability to restart. If you're looking for a sermon title, there it is. Restart. Someone shout it. Say restart. restart. Say it again. Say restart. restart. Uh, on our way in this scripture, you find that not only was his dream interrupted once, but if you go through the scriptures, even through the, 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 the letters to the churches, you begin to find in the scripture that Paul... Even when he was uh, doing good, he was an apostle, he was ministering, he was building the churches. He was building different churches, strengthening believers. He was doing all sorts of things. He gets to a certain land, and when he gets there, they begin to persecute him. They begin to, they want to kill him. Paul ends up serving two years in prison. While Paul is in prison, he's writing all these letters. Now, I want us to put ourselves in the shoes of Paul for a little bit. How can God take you from persecuting Christians and when he's persecuting Christians, he didn't, get, he didn't get killed. He didn't get thrown in jail. But the moment he starts doing God's work is the time by which people want to stop persecuting and throwing him in jail to serve two years in jail. The scripture shows this, that as he was in jail, he began to write these letters to the church to strengthen them, to say, you don't know how much I miss you, how much I want to be with you, but I, I'm here because I'm suffering for Christ. And through this suffering, my character is being made. And I want to tell somebody here that even though you're going through turbulence, it just means that God is setting you up for something future. If you're going through something right now, God is just setting you up for where he wants to take you to. You need the turbulence. Am I here tonight? Are you here tonight? Are you sure? Put your right hand, your left hand together. Give God a shout. Let's turn to Romans 5, 3. Romans 5, 3 to 5. If you can give it to me in the message. Do we have the message? Uh, I want to look at something in the scripture. If not, then the NLT is also good. We're going to look at the scripture, and then we're going to look at our anchor scripture for our series and then we're going to see what God has to say through his word tonight. Are you here? Awesome. Let's read in the NLT. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us and develop our endurance. Go on to verses 4. Verses 4 says this, and endurance develops strength and character. And character strengthens our confidence, hope, and salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Therefore, this scripture basically says that because of the love of God and how much God loves us, he brings us through diverse trials. Because of how much God loves us, he has to bring us through some trials so we know that even though we'll have bitter days, we'll also have better days. That sometimes God will bring you through this. We're in this series entitled, In His Hands. And we're going to get into the, the meat of this series uh, this week. And then next week, we're going to get into something very phenomenal. But in this scripture, very simply, it says that, can you take me back to verses 3? I want to take something from that. In verses 3, it says, we can rejoice. Can someone say that after me? Say, rejoice. Say it again. Say, rejoice. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems. How does that even happen? Like, how does that happen? How do you rejoice when you run into problems? Shouldn't you be actually getting sad when you run into problems? But the scripture says we can rejoice when we run into problems, when we run into trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Trials, problems, difficulties help you develop endurance. 
How can you be strong if you never lift any weights? You know, sometimes Dave and I, we go to the gym, and, and when we go to the gym, sometimes we'll be lifting weights, and Dave will be telling me, he's like, Pastor Cove, don't worry, you got this last set. You got this last And I'm lifting the weight, and I'm saying, but Dave, the thing is heavy. And I'm lifting the weight, and I'm lifting the weight, and he's saying, listen, it might hurt for a little while, but you'll, be, you'll love the product. You'll love what comes on, on the other side. And I want to just stand here as a man of God to say that the trials you're going through, they may seem impossible. The tr- I know who I, I came here for somebody. This is one person here. Is it you? Praise God. I only came here for one person here tonight. <laughs> the Bible says very simply that you should rejoice when you run into problems. So I'm lifting the weights, and you know, we're lifting the weights. And I'm saying, I'm on my last set. And I'm like, yo, man, this thing's heavy, man. And I'm lifting this weight. I'm lifting this weight. And I'm almost about to drop it. And he's like, Pastor Cove, don't drop it because I know you're going to enjoy the results on the other side. Somebody, you're in a battle right now, and your battle, you're lifting this problem, and this problem seems as though you cannot get through it. I stand in the office of an apostle, and I prophesy upon your life that even though you're going through problems, you're going through situations, you will enjoy the product on the other side. Instead of getting upset, rejoice. Instead of getting angry, rejoice. It's midterm season, man. I have so many essays. How am I going to get through it? Listen, you need to get through it because you're going to enjoy the degree. You're running so many labs now. But when you become a doctor, won't you enjoy all the money too, yeah? Everything. You'll enjoy it. But you have to go through it. How can they give you the degree if you don't go through tests? How do we know that you're well? How do we know that you can match up to the degrees? You have to go through diverse problems, diverse trials. Bible says count it joy. This word also says right here that we can rejoice when we run into those type of problems. Because they make us better. They build our endurance. I want us to jump to Jeremiah 18. This is our anchor scripture for this series. And I want to explain to you a few things that God was showing me in the scripture through Jeremiah. Jeremiah 18, verses 1. Can you read it with me? Let's read it together. One, two, three. Go. Can you read this again? One, two, three, go. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay and started over. Someone say restart. This is a story. Very simple. I have some clay here. Some Play-Doh. I went to the dollar store. I asked for Play-Doh and the cashier was looking at me funny. (laughs) What is this boy doing with Play-Doh? I said, only if you knew the lives that would be changed this night. Jeremiah was there. You look at the life of Jeremiah, okay? We looked at the life of Paul very briefly. A man who had a dream. A man whose dream was interrupted. A man who every single moment through his life something was changing and molding into something that God wanted to become we look at the life of Jeremiah and the Bible so simply says back in Jeremiah 1 5 it says that before you were born before you were in your mother's womb I already knew who you were it says I ordained you it said I called you it said I knew your name and I called you 
and I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. I already gave you a title before people even knew who you were. I already ordained your steps because they were ordered before you even took your first step. It says, I already knew everything about you because I made you. I created you and I formed you. This same Jeremiah that we find in Jeremiah 1.5 is the same Jeremiah we find here in the scripture in, in, in chapter 18 where he's there and the Bible says the word of the Lord came to him. And it says the word of the Lord came to him and said, go down to the potter's house. He says, as you go and when you get there, I will speak to you. A couple weeks back, to just recap for some people who weren't here, two weeks back, we started this series called In His Hands. And in his hands, we uh, came to this, this conclusion that sometimes instead of staying back in a form of comfort, we need to step off of the ledge and use it as not a stumbling block, but as a launching pad to where God wants us to go. Yeah? We, we came to that conclusion that sometimes we have to leave the area of comfort. And if you're looking for a second title, I can give you this, this, this title. The first one was Killing the Comfort Zone. This title that I'm going to give you right now is also Killing Insecurity. Security is something that has eaten our generation. Security is something that has eaten a lot of people's lives to the point where they feel as though uh, if I take this step... Is it the right step? Uh, if I marry this guy, is it the right guy? If I take this course, is it the right course? I came here to comfort some people tonight, bring some declarations and to right some wrongs, to tell some people that you have been formed in the hand of the potter, that your life has always been calculated, that everything about you has always already been pre-programmed. You look at Jeremiah in the scripture. It says the Lord told him to go down to the potter's house for there he will speak to him. And a word of the Lord will come to him while he's there. So here we have uh, Jeremiah and he's standing there and he gets to the, the house of the potter. And as he has that, he's at the house of the potter. Someone come here and hold this mic for me, please. It says that as he's at the house of the potter, he gets to the house of the potter and he sees the potter. And the potter has a, a, a clay in his hands. And the potter says that he's created something. He's created a jar. He's created something like this, and he's created something, and he says that it was like this. But the moment he got to the potter's house, the word of the Lord spoke to him and said, look at the potter, for although he's created a jar, says that he was not content with what he created. What that meant and what this means very simply is that although God can create something out of you, it may just be for a season. The use of the jar may just be for a season. But sometimes and many times in our lives, God, and we have to allow him the access to say that although I've created you to be a jar, I can also squash you and recreate something new out of you. Bible says this. It says he was there. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. I, I beg to differ, I, or I beg to just take this scripture right here and just kind of unpack it for you. Is that all right? Can we unpack the scripture a little bit? Very simple. It says this in the scripture. It says, the jar he was making did not turn out how he had hoped. Don't you think that the potter already knew he was creating a jar? The pot, why would you create a jar if you knew that at the end of it, it won't be what you wanted? It says that although he was creating a jar, at the end of him making that jar, it wasn't what he wanted. It wasn't what he had hoped for. 
But it means that, listen, that at least in the preliminary stages of it, he was creating the jar, which means that what God is creating out of your life now may be of use for now. But what he's creating for tomorrow, he needs to do a new thing. He needs to do a brand new thing. For the word of the Lord says, behold, I do a new thing. Now, how can God do a new thing? How can you put new wine in old wineskin? You cannot. Therefore, God must say this. I must empty out old to fill in new. If I've created you into the jar, I am the potter, you are the clay. It means that you're malleable. Your life is malleable in my hands. So it means that as Jeremiah walked in there, if you go down into the scripture, it says, Jeremiah, look, for I am comparing my people to this clay and I, the potter. I'm using this as a metaphor. So it simply means that if, why can't I be, why can't I do what I want with Israel? Why can't I do what I want with George? Why can't I do what I want with Tiffany? If I've created you into what I want you to be for now, don't you think that I also have the ability to say what you've been created for is good for now? But I have something that I want to do. I believe that God is setting somebody up for something in the future. Listen, I don't know who I came here for tonight. I don't know really who, who this word is for tonight. But somebody here. And God spoke to me very simply and said, some people in this room tonight are just upset at the fact that what God was creating in their life, he smashed it and he's broken it. And they don't know when he's going to recreate something. God spoke to me. When I was downstairs, he said, you got to minister to people tonight. You really got to restore some people tonight because I may have created you to be something. But I still have the license to break them and recreate them. Because I'm God. Let me say this. Your breaking is necessary. You have to allow God. To do something new. Someone say, my breaking is necessary. We just read the scripture that said that we should rejoice when we encounter trials and problems. Your problems are necessary. Your breaking is necessary. It's actually needed. You need it. Because you cannot create a new thing unless you break the old. Now, I want to show you, and I'm going to give you a point at how God does a new thing. All right, if you're taking notes, uh, write this down. How God does a new thing. We're looking at this, this subject in his hands. We're looking at how do we know that we are secure in the hands of Jehovah. How God does a new thing in your life. Number one, writing this down. God does a new thing in your life by crushing the old, and, and, and watch this, using the same substance to create the new. God crushes the old, but the Bible says that he used that same clay that he was making to make something new out of it. The brokenness you're going through, the problems you're going through, God needs it. He needs all of them to create something that he's doing in the future. Anybody agree with me tonight? Am I preaching to anybody tonight? It's either one or two things. Either the word is going so deep you don't know what to say, or, or this, is, this is really the word for the moment. It says this very simply. God told me, he said, Kofi downstairs, go and tell some people here that I am in the process and speak prophetically and tell them that I am in the process of breaking them down to rebuild them up. And they shouldn't fight the process. They should be malleable in my hands. Don't fight the process of what God is doing in your life. Allow him to do it. I look at my life and 
I can compare my life to this, to this so much. Because like I said, everybody has a dream. But what happens when what you were created for, what you thought you were created for, has now been crushed. What happens when the dream that you wanted to do becomes crushed? What happens when what you thought you were created to do is now broken down? What happens? What do you do? I look at my life and I told you at some point in my life that I wanted to do music. Now, I didn't know that God wanted to use music, but he wanted it to be the way that he wanted it to be. If you look in the scripture, it says that the, the, the pot, the jar he was making did not turn out how he had hoped. The clay has no say. <laughs> Someone catching a rev? <laughs> whatever I want this clay to be, whatever I want this Play-Doh to be, it can be. If I want it to be flat, it will be flat. If I want it to be like this, it will be like this. The clay has no say. The clay actually has to be malleable in my hands. It's the potter. That determines what the clay becomes. Because according to Jeremiah 1.5, before you were even on the scene, you knew what you would be. So the moment you arrive on the scene, you're just manifesting the word that was spoken. Because before the clay can be something, there had to be an idea somewhere. that hey, I think I need a church called Campus Rush because there's some people that need to be saved by it. So you know what? I'm going to call some people from all over the world, from different nations, from all over Africa, to all over Asia, to all over the Caribbean. I'm going to call over people from everywhere. An idea was sparked. But how can I do this idea? I need a movement. How can I? I need to do this idea, but I need a vessel. Oh, all right. So I see that somebody's here and somebody's ready for me to use them because you, nobody can change you. <laughs> I was going to say something. Nobody can change you unless you avail yourself to be changed. I'm going to say this statement. And I've, I'm bold, so I'm going to say this statement. Nobody can change you, not even God. Until you avail yourself. Someone say true. Are we, we're going deep tonight, huh? We're going deep. Not even God can change you unless you avail yourself. The moment you avail yourself, God says, wow, you've now come onto the scene. So now I can do what I've always intended you to do. That's why you have people that are not walking in purpose. Is because what God wants to do through their lives, they're not yielding their lives to be changed. Because to first be changed, you have to first be broken. To be made new, you have to be broken. But the problem is, how can I be broken from the life that I've always lived? I've always been like this. How can I change my life? I've always been made to be like this. This is how I've always been. Have you met those people before? You tried it, anybody? You met, met somebody like that? You try to talk to them and they don't want to change because they said, this is how it's always been. This how, you can't talk to me. I've always been like this. You're stubborn. Yeah, I know. I've always been stubborn. What? So you don't, so you don't want to change your life. <laughs> you don't want to change your life. No, I don't want to change my life because I've always been like this. Things have always been like this. Even in ministry, you'll meet some people. You'll say, I think we should try it this way. No, no, no. It's always been this way. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's always been, you can't, you can't change the way things have been. It's always been like this. But the word of the Lord has come to you today to say this. Behold, I do a new thing. I'm doing a new thing here. In order for me to do a new thing, I have to break the old thing. But don't get it twisted. I'm not going to go find something else. I'm using the same substance. 
Because the same person you see here is the same person that was in the clubs, was the same person that was doing the dirt, and God still used me, not somebody else, me, because he needed my dirt. Oh, my Lord. If God is doing a new thing with the clay that is in his hands, he's not saying, I am going to throw away the clay. He's saying, it didn't turn out the way I had wanted to. He was going off for some few years, but because he availed himself, I can now crash him and break him and break him down and then rebuild him. But let me tell you something. Nobody likes the breaking. No one likes the breaking. No one likes the breaking. You know what? You know why? Because in the breaking process, you have no control as to when you're going to be rebuilt. It's dependent on the potter. The potter decides when you are rebuilt, when he thinks that you have been flattened enough. You may have been flattened, but only on one side. But God is saying this, listen, I need you to be broken on all facets of your life. Financially, many times you might have to look at your bank account and say, uh-uh, it ain't popping. You might have to look at every aspect of your life and say, things are not going the way they're seeing. I've run into problems, but even though you have not been created to what God has, uh, wants you to be created yet, still rejoice. Because although you run into problems, trials, tribulations, you rejoice. Count it all joy, even when you have not yet been made into what God wants you to be in his hands. Our problem, and let me tell you this, I'm concluding. Our problem, many things that we face as young people, not I, I really want to be practical, really want to open up tonight. Our problem is to do with the breaking. And the reason why it's to do with the breaking, like I said early on, is because we have no control as to when we are re going to be rebuilt again. We have a problem, and that problem is with impatience and insecurity. Because if you, Lord, have a plan for me, why would you have made me into a jar if you wanted me to be a pot? If you have a plan for me, why would you have created me into something and then breaking me down? Like, why would you do that? Lord, I, when are you going to rebuild me? If you break me, how will I be rebuilt again? I came to encourage somebody tonight. Your life has been broken. You thought you'd be married, but you're not. You thought you would have finished school, but it's taken you six years. You thought you would have gotten that job by now, but every time you put your application and every time you put your resume in, they send it back to say this role has been completed. This role has been full, filled. Every time you look at your life, you say, man, the jar that I've been created to be, I thought I, thought I had it all together. And God says, that, that's your problem. You think you have it all together. Allow me to break you so that I can remake you. Allow me make something new out of your life. So I want to give you these takeaways. Band, you can come out. I'm going to pray for some people tonight. I want to help somebody whose life has been broken into so many pieces. 
your life is it's just it's not going anywhere. Like, I don't know what's going on. I was creating this something. I thought this was for me. I had a dream. I was going towards something. I had a goal. I was in school. Something happened, and all of a sudden, I'm no longer in school. Something has happened, and it's thrown me off course, and my life is not going anywhere. And you're saying, Lord God, I, I, sometimes you, sometimes, listen, you don't have an option to be broken. Sometimes brokenness just finds you. <laughs> Someone say facts. Am I preaching tonight? Sometimes broke, it just finds you. Like, you didn't want to be broken. Then what? <laughs> you, you, you didn't want to go through that. that you, you, didn't even, you didn't even like the guy. He's not, he, he ain't even your type. Like, he wasn't even your type. And he just, he just came into your life and, and then he came into your life and you thought he was the one and then he just used you and he threw you out and just because of your mistake, you've been humbled. There's some humility that has forced upon you. Some brokenness that just finds you. You're walking in and just, what brokenness? It just, it breaks you down like. Oh, somebody say, I hear you, I hear you. You weren't trying to fall in love. He's looking fine. I couldn't. I'm sorry, Pastor. Pastor, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to. I tried to guard my heart, but she found her way in it. Eh. Let me help somebody real quick. She found her way into your heart because you allowed access. Because let me tell you something. Let me help somebody really quick. I'm just taking a side note. Uh, we're going to talk about relationship stuff a lot later. I'm just taking a side note. Understand this thing that there is no vacuum in life. So if you leave the space in your heart that is supposed to be due to love God open, somebody else will fill it. That's why you find many times that if you're not ready for marriage yet, the same place by which you're supposed to be worshiping God and loving God, you start loving a person, so then your relationship with God suffers. So it's either one of the two. So until you can balance, leave it alone. Until you can balance it, leave it alone. There's some brokenness that finds you. No, seriously, I really believe that. There's some things in your life that just locate you. You didn't mean to get into that situation, but then, you know, I'm using a lot of humor tonight because what I'm talking about is so, so deep. And sometimes you have to, you have to surround a deep word with a lot of humor. So that it enters properly. Sometimes in life, we get into situations where we don't know how we've gotten there. But I believe tonight that the Spirit of God, and as I was downstairs preparing, I felt such a smooth presence of God. And he said that tonight people's lives that have been in pieces are going to be restored tonight. So people that have given up on their life because they said that, you know what, I, I, nothing's going to be made out of your life. Listen, I came to prophesy to somebody. There is still hope for you. God is still going to do something through your life. Listen, don't worry about it. I, I thought that this would happen. I'm on this timeline and this didn't happen. And I'm on that timeline and this didn't happen. Listen, you're in his hands. 
thought this would happen by then, and it didn't. I thought I was going to get this breakthrough by now, and it didn't. I prayed and prayed, and nothing happened. Because listen to me, you're still in the process of being flattened, broken. Because God wants to do a new thing through you, but he's breaking you first so he can rebuild you. Let me give you a point as you're on your feet tonight. If we can please stand our feet. What do you do when you're waiting? What do you do when you're waiting? Let me make this statement. The point of worship is the point and the place of answered prayers. Place of worship is the place of answered prayers. If you know how to worship God, you will always have his ears. I want to give you guys a trick that kind of overrules this type of thing. And it's worship, simply. Why? Because your life may be like this. And let me give you an example. The Bible says, that the Israelites were in Egypt were going through so much trouble that it said that Lord God, the Father, sat in heaven and said, Moses, I need you to go and deliver my people because I've heard their cries. I've heard their worship. I've heard their cries. I've heard their, I've seen their suffering. And I've decided to ask you to go and help them out of that situation, to deliver them out of it. There's something that can overrule your situation, and that is worship. When you begin to worship God, let me tell you something. That you can worship God for one hour and not mean it. And you can worship God in one minute and God comes. Oh my God. Oh my Lord God. When you tap into the realm of true worship, this is, this is the point for waiting. When you tap into the realm of true worship, it just takes literally, literally, it takes one second. God can deal with your case in one second one minute. He can deal with your situation in one minute of sincere worship. And so let me just, let me encourage someone. Let me help somebody. You may, be, you may say, I've prayed, Pastor. I've done stuff. I've prayed. I've worshipped. But let me tell you that there's a difference with worshipping in the flesh and worshipping in the spirit. A lot of people enjoy worship as an activity. Worship is not activity. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is, is a position of heart. Worship is when you, when you, when you, uh, you set your heart up to constantly be broken before God to say, listen, because Lord, you are everything and I am nothing, Lord God, I know my life is clay. I'm just a clay in your hands, Lord. I can't do it by myself, Lord. I don't want to build myself up and so that I'll be disappointed. I want you as the potter to build me up because you have a plan for me. So build me up. Worship is that point of, your, of, of you saying, listen, God, this is all of my alabaster. I'm breaking it before you. In one minute, God, come into my situation, God. In one minute, God, take care of my family. In one minute, God, do the impossible. Worship is that aspect of brokenness where you say, God, I don't want you to come and humble me. I humble myself. Worship is saying, and that's the type of worship that, that causes the hand of God to move. Where you're saying, man, I don't even care how I even look right now. I don't care how it seems right now. I don't care what people say about me. I will praise you, God, because I know that if not for you, 
So I break my alabaster box before you. That's the type of worship because that is when you enter into a realm of humility. And God says that he rejects the proud, but he has mercy for the, for the ones who are humble. Therefore, he comes to your situation and says, I'm going to build what I've been building out of you. Some people here in this room tonight, and hear me well, God has been trying to build something out of you, but he first needs to break you down. Allow the breaking process to happen. Raise your hands all over this place. Thank you for tuning in to the Campus Rush Podcast. If you enjoyed this message and want to partner with us, visit us at www.campusrush.org to become a global partner or to partner with us in giving.